This is our scripture for the year, Psalm 6511. This is a different translation that we normally put up there. It says, you give the year 2017 a good harvest. Are you getting a good harvest this year? And you load the wagons with many crops. I like that. I'm a city slicker, but I still like uh, that just means abundance. We just need, as a church, we're going to talk about grace to know God, but um, we need to start realizing who God really is, how much he loves us, because if, you know, we, people talk about, I need more faith. In reality, you don't need more faith. You need to know how much God loves you, and your faith will come alive just by knowing how much God loves you. That was good just to come to church to hear that. If you know that God loves you, your faith will be more effective. It will come more alive because when Christians, everybody hearing this? Everybody say, I'm listening. When Christians lose sight of the love of God, they tend to become more religious. Ow! You show me somebody religious, and I'll show you somebody who doesn't know that God loves them. Or the revelation that God loves them. Religion is a good filler. You know what I mean by filler? You know, that's what some restaurants do to to their meat. They put in filler. It's not good. That's what religion does. It puts in a filler because they don't understand, they don't comprehend, or neither do they know about the love of God. I was reading the story about Zacchaeus. How many remember the story about Zacchaeus when you were growing up in Sunday school? I was in Sunday school, and we would sing the song. Are you ready? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up. you got to do the motions, too, to see what he could see. And he said, anyway, we'll stop there. But... Uh, <laughs> I was thinking about that. How many know Zacchaeus was a tax collector? And being a tax collector, those guys were covetous, thieves, and that's some of their good points. (laughs) They took from people. They stole from people. Zacchaeus was one of those guys. So, and we pick up the story in in Luke chapter 19, verse 2. It says this. It says, now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax. He wasn't just a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. I wonder why he was rich. He was stealing from people. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was a short stature. I love this guy. (laughs) My kind of guy. So he ran ahead and he climbed up in a sycamore tree to see him, to see Jesus, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he saw Jesus and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste, came down, and received him joyfully. But when they, the they is the religious people. When the religious people saw it, they all complained, saying, He's gone to be a guest with a man who's a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore four times. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. 
You can study this in any translation. You can even study it from the original Greek, and you will not find in this passage where Jesus said, Now, Zacchaeus, you make sure not to covet or steal anymore. Zacchaeus, you know you've been doing wrong. Zacchaeus, you can't find any of that. I think that's amazing because the majority of religious people would have sat him down and said, All right, Zacchaeus. Don't do this, and thou shalt not, and thou shalt not, and don't, and don't, and make sure you don't. To get him to change, to get Zacchaeus to change, because, you know, that's what good Christians do. We, we tell people what they're doing wrong, try to get them to change. Amen. Yes. No, that is not the right way. First of all, it's not our responsibility to get people to change. Thank you for that overwhelming amen. Amen. (laughs) What did Jesus do? I'm going to tell you what happened. The love of money left when the love of Jesus showed up. I'm going to say it again. The love of money left... When Jesus showed up. And if you want to have freedom in your life, and if I want to have freedom in my life, instead of trying to make myself do this and try to do that, the greater, listen to me, this is such a free, the greater revelation you have of the love of God will set you free in every area of your life. You will not have to sit there and, Mike, you just need to quit doing this. And, Mike, you just need to quit that. And I tell you what, you better, you better quit cussing. You better quit this. And you better quit that. When you have the love of God, just things fall off by the wayside. That's what happened to Zacchaeus. And what did Jesus say? Salvation's come to your house today. Not because you said, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Because he received the love of God. Love will cause you to do right and live right when religion will tell you, you better, you better, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, don't, don't, don't. But when the love of God comes, it'll transform your life. It's the greatest. Listen, this is the most simple message, but it's the greatest, the most powerful message that the world has ever known and will know. And that is we need to know how much God loves us. 24-7. In the good, the bad, the ugly. I'm telling you, the fullness of God gets manifested when you know about the love of God. I used to pray. I used to pray, Lord, just give us more of your power. Lord, just, just give us that, that, your love. Just, and I used to pray a big, long list. and just, I look back at those prayers and back then, and it's almost shameful. And I'd be a pastor. I would like to see God's face, what, now, not then, but I would like to see what God's face was like when I was making all those prayers. You all are a lot more holier, so I know you don't pray like that, but uh, <laughs> and then one day, probably about four years ago, maybe five, the Lord says, you know what you're trying to complain about? Oh, I'm sorry, what you're trying to pray about has already been provided. 
And so in the last four or five years, my prayer life has totally been simplified. Don't you like simplification? Man. When I got married to Melody, she, she has been such a blessing because she is a simplifier. I'm kind of like the shotgun. Now let's go fix it. But anyway. My prayer life has really become simplified. Instead of 95% of my prayer, the other 5% is I'm praying for the church and praying for people like you. And, uh, but the majority of my prayer life is this. It is thanking God for what he's already done and given me. You know, people pray, Lord, we just, I just pray. I just need healing in my body. I just need healing in my body. I just pray and thank God that he has healed my body 2,000 years ago. I thank God. I do not, I do not beg God for finances. I thank God. For finances and blessings abundantly pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I thank him, I thank him, I thank him. We're believing God to move into another building. We're believing God to build a building for our city. So I thank God for $50 million. Amen. Amen. So I think, and that's just because I don't know how much it's going to cost. I thought, well, $50 million is a good start. Anyway, so you just thank God. You thank God for what he's already done. And most people don't know what he's done because they haven't gotten into the word of God. And so people don't know how to even thank God. David says you're entering his courts with thanksgiving and and, and his gates with praise. You're supposed to be thanking in God. Thanking God. Thanking him. Man, I tell you, I say, God, I think you set me above and not beneath. I think you've made me the head and not the tail. It's not good to be called the tail. But God says, I made you the head and not the tail. He said, I put you above and not beneath. I've seated you in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So, man, I just think, I thought, man, Father, I realized I couldn't put myself in heavenly places. You can't, you can't do anything to get yourself seated in heavenly places. But God's picked you and me up, and he goes, boom, I'm going to seat you there. I'm gonna, you are there right now today. Heavenly places, you think, oh, was that a good thing? Well, then read the rest of that scripture. It says, far above all principality, all power, all might, no, every dominion, everything that the devil is, you're far above it. We don't thank God that we're above that. So I think, thank you, God, I'm far above that. Oh, I'm thankful, God, that I have God's faith inside of me. I have the faith of God. Not the faith of Mike. I've got the faith of God in me. You've got the faith of God in you. So you thank God for it. Man, I tell you what, instead of, little God, give me more faith. Just help me to get more faith. I prayed that. It got me. You might as well just put a four-wheel drive in six feet of mud. You ain't going nowhere. You understand? But, buddy, I tell you what, when you find out that God has already lifted that four-wheel drive and put you on streets of gold, you will, you're about ready to go someplace. you got to know that God's faith is in me. I am seated. I am the fa- God, you got lots of kids, but I'm your favorite. And the thing is, he thinks that about you. You're his favorite. So I say that. When I'm in his presence, I'm thankful that I'm your favorite. So when you go to your heavenly father, you say, I'm your favorite. 
There was a little grandma who had a bunch of little grandkids. I don't know how many she had, but she sit there and she came up there and she'd sit her on his lap. And I don't, I, at first I go, I don't know if that's good or not. She sat the little kid down and says, you're my favorite. But then when the other one would come around, she put him, she put him on the lap. You're my favorite. <laughs> and so everybody thought they were their favorite. But then when they started talking to one another, I'm grandma's favorite. And when she told me I'm her favorite, and when she told me I'm her favorite. And so they all found out I'm her favorite. So I thought, that's the way God is. I go up to his presence. Mike, I'm so glad you're here. You're my favorite. (laughs) If you think like that, the love of God will just, listen, the greatest, the greatest, and you've heard me say this, but you haven't, we haven't got it. I haven't got it. The greatest revelation you and I can have is how much God loves me. How much God loves you. We don't understand that, but we need to. Because I do know this. When you don't know how much God loves you, you become religious. You do. But there is no limit. Ephesians, we read this last week. I want to read it again. Ephesians 3.18 says that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, depth, and the height. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, now to him is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. That scripture basically says there's no limits to God's love. There are no limits. Not even the lowest point on this planet. There is no limit to God's love. When we were in Africa, uh, the kids, they swim in Lake Tanganyika. You ought to Google that. Lake Tanganyika. I don't know how to spell it. But anyway, it's borders the Congo where we were at and also Tanzania where we were at. And when we were waiting for a boat to, to cross uh, the lake, which the boys thought, this is a lake, it's not the ocean. You can't see, I mean, it's like an ocean. And uh, it's uh, the second deepest lake in the world, 4,820 something feet deep. That's almost a mile deep. 16% of the uh, world's stored fresh water is in Lake Tanganyika, 16% on the whole planet. It's a big lake, longest lake in the world. Let me just keep going on. It's the longest lake in the world, 420 miles long. Anything else went on? But anyway, the kids started swimming in that. I did not, but they were swimming in it, and Jerry got way kind of out there, and he says, all of a sudden, just cold, rushing water just, he felt it, and he said, whoa, just like immediately after he got out far away. Well, we were there with some missionaries who were living there, and they were talking, and they said, oh, and he was telling about, he says, oh, yeah, he says, when you get out that far, Jared, that right there at that point is where it drops a thousand feet. So he says, you mean my little legs are just dangling over a thousand feet? She says, yeah, and it gets really cold. Yeah. I just thought, you know, that's just like God's love. Nobody else went out there, but he experienced that. God wants you and me to experience his love. The majority of the church, I don't mean Rocky Mountain Family Church, the church around the world, they know that God loves them. And God says, that's the start and that's the beginning, but he wants us to experience that God loves us. What does it mean by the experience? To know when the Bible says uh, Jacob knew his wife. 
you got to read the translation of that. You know, it becomes rated R all of a sudden. It didn't mean that he just knew his wife. That means he went and slept with his wife. You understand? You understand? I mean, I don't want to have to get more detail than that, but you understand. So there was a oneness. There was a oneness. And God says, I want you to become a one or experience the oneness that we really already are. But he says, you need to experience that oneness. The word that passes knowledge, the word passes, if you look up in the Strong's Concordance, it means to exceed or excel or go further, to be more. So he says to pass his knowledge means just more. God wants you to know the love of Christ more than just mere knowledge, human intellectual knowledge. We're, we're good at just studying and, and, and knowing intellectual knowledge. And God says, no, 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 no. I want you to have more than just uh, this intellectual knowledge. I want you to have an experiential knowledge of my love for you. Because once that happens... Then the next verse it says that it will cause you to see the fullness of God. So, if we're not experiencing the fullness of God, we don't know and have a revelation of the love of God. I don't know, but that just makes life simple to me. Instead of praying, oh God, give us the, the fullness. Give us your glory. Give us this. And God says, you already got it. What you are lacking is knowing how much I love you. Wow. All of a sudden, the simple message of God loves us becomes far deeper, far greater. Ephesians 2, 7 says this. He did this that he might clearly demonstrate the ages to come. The immeasurable, limitless, surpassing riches of his free grace, his unmerited favor, and his kindness and goodness of heart toward us in Christ Jesus. That term ages to come means throughout all eternity. So when you and I get to heaven, God is going to be showing us his goodness, his kindness, and his love for all eternity. Every day, I mean, there's not days, but for out, forever, you and I are going to be getting in revelation knowledge the love of God over and greater and over. You won't be able to say, oh, now, we, we, we saw that last week. No, there won't be any of that. It's going to be new. Why? Because God is love, and love is eternal. There's no length. There's no width. There's no de- it's, it's limitless. There are no limits to his love. And you cannot separate or hinder the love of God. That's the kind of response we got in the first service. People go, now wait just a minute. I think, you know, and I was raised in this too. You know, if you sin, you know, you cut the relationship off of God. God turns his back because he can't look at sin. He doesn't, you know, if you sin, you're in trouble with God. We were taught that, but it's not in the word. You'll be glad you came to church because this is such a free... This is such a free. I'm going to say it again. You cannot separate God's love from you. You cannot. Romans 8, 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, or nakedness, peril, or sword? 
As it's written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter yet. And all these things we are more than conquerors through him who who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Those last two scriptures there cover everything. And people say, well, pastor, you can separate yourself from the love of God. Oh, really? And what scripture is that? Michael 2.2? Because this is what the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. This is God's word. But God demonstrated his own love toward us that while we were yet still sinners, you were still a sinner, Christ died for you while you were still a sinner. So that means God loved you before you ever said yes to him. So you're going to tell me now, once you get saved, sin will separate you. Sin didn't even separate his love for you when you were a sinner. Yeah, I don't think you're getting this. I said sin did not even separate you when you were a sinner because Christ died for you. And he says, I'm going to show how much I love the sinners. And he says, I'm going to die for the whole world. And so we get saved, we get all religious, but the reason we get religious is because we don't understand the love of God, and we say, well, sin will separate you. Says who? Because my Bible says that God says that he, his love for you and me will never, nothing can separate the love of God. Holy cow. And I'm not talking about Chick-fil-A. I'm talking about Jesus. It's Jesus. That's called grace. You and I can't get good enough, and you can't get bad enough to separate the love of God from you. This is the problem, because when we were growing up in church, man, because if you sin, you did something wrong, or you, I mean, God forbid, it was ruling the biggies. You just quit church and ran from God. Why? Because of guilt and condemnation, and we knew that God was doing this. While all along, God was reaching out. God is reaching out. The churches ran from God when they sinned. And the whole purpose for, God to, for us to understand the love of God is when you do that, it'll cause you to run to him, not from him. People run away from him when they don't understand that, that God loves them. You show me somebody who's running from God, and I'll show you somebody who doesn't know God loves them. You can repent and rededicate your life, and you can do all kinds of things. But, honey, if you don't know God loves you, you'll be in the same boat next year. you got to know that God loves you. It's the most powerful, most powerful, powerful thing. 318, is, look at it again. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. To be filled with all the fullness, fullness of God. How can we experience this love then? How can we experience it? I want to experience it. Well, first of all, you need to pray that prayer. For Ephesians 3, 8. Say, God, you know, your word says you want me to experience it. I don't think I've been experiencing much love. But it's not because of God. It is not because he's withholding it. 
because he's already poured it out. When did God pour Do you realize God's not going to put any more love on this planet? Amen. He gave it all 2,000 years ago. There ain't no more love than Jesus. You do understand that. People think I just need a little bit more. You need more than Jesus? People think I need a little bit more healing. You need more than Jesus? People think I need a little bit more finances. You need more than Jesus? Because once you find that Jesus inside of you, healing is no problem. Finances are no problem. Peace is no problem. Joy is no problem. Patience is no problem. Anything that's given to life and to godliness, I've got it because of Jesus. Galatians 5, and 23, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Kindness and faith. Did you know faith was listed in there? All of that is the fruit. Have you ever seen a tree struggling to produce fruit? I've got some fruit trees. You've heard this story. But you love this story so much, I'm going to tell it again. I've never seen my apple trees out there. I'm in the prairie. I live in Pueblo West. I'm on my acreage. And I've never seen one of my apple trees going... Apple tree, what's your problem? What's, what's the matter? I'm just really trying to produce fruit. I'm really trying hard. I am just really trying hard to produce fruit. If you've seen that, you need to get off your medication. No, a tree does not stress out about fruit, does it? It just automatically does it. That's what an apple tree does. It produces. A believer, someone who knows about the love of God, they will produce the fruit of Galatians 2, 22 and 23. I've got patience because of Jesus. I've got kindness because of Jesus. I've got goodness because of Jesus. I've got the faith of God in me because of Jesus. So don't go around saying, I just need more faith. Oh, no, you just need to know about the love of God, honey. You just need to know about the love of God. Oh, I just, and Christians say this all the time. This is the biggest one. I just need more patience, pastor. But you know, don't pray for patience, you know, because God will give you something really bad, you know, and I'm thinking, yeah, that's what most good parents do. They ask for patience. Oh, yeah, I'll give you a cancer. Now, let's see, let's get that endurance working in you now. No, man. I pray, you don't have to pray for the fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit. The problem is your lack and my lack of knowledge of how much God loves us. That is the root to everything that's going on in your life right now, today. Is we don't understand how much God loves us. Because if you understand how much God loves you, oh, I'm telling you, and I can prove that too. Experiencing. How, well, let me back up. I said, how do you experience the love of God? Experiencing, you know, how do I, my wife and I, how do I improve on our relationship? Well, first of all, I just, if she wants to know how much I love her, and if I want to know how much she loves me, what would you think would be the number one thing? To spend time with them, maybe, possibly? Instead, Religious people, we spend time with God because we think if we spend time with him, we'll get bigger blessings or more blessings or just one blessing if we spend time with him. Really? 
We just don't know what his word says. He says, I've blessed you with all of the blessings. When you got born again, when Jesus came and dwelled inside of you, he made his abode inside of you. This is God's house. This is God's house. You know, every once in a while, I just do that. God lives in Mike. God, wow. You ought to just walk around and meditate and do that. What are you doing? Experiencing God. Experiencing his love. Don't do that when you're walking down the grocery style and they call 911, <laughs> put a white jacket on you. But, I mean, just you need to... Philemon, chapter 1, there's only one chapter, verse 6, says that we should acknowledge every good thing that is in us in Christ Jesus. So you need to just tell God. 90% of my prayer is just thanking God of what he's already done for me. God, thank you that you put healing inside of me. All the healing, listen to me, all the healing I will ever need is in here. It's not up there. You know, Father, will you just heal me? Well, first of all, you're going the wrong place. All of the healing that you ever need is inside of you. All of the prosperity that you will ever need, moi, it's in there. It's in there. So I acknowledge it. God, thank you that the healing power of God is inside of Mike. Thank you that all the blessings of finances, everything I set my hand to prospers, it's in there. All of the favor, all of the thousand percent of favor that you have on this planet or that you could ever give is in here. All of the favor of God. When I walk into a business, the favor of God shows up. Chaboom, it's here. It's here. You know, that'd just change your attitude. Instead of being insecure, instead of being like a little wet puppy dog with its, man, just you don't know how much God loves you. When I find out how much God loves me, man, I just, it's not a braggadocious thing. It's something that I couldn't even do. It's what he has done and placed on the inside of me. And when you start acknowledging that, realizing that, faith comes by hearing you realize it's a done deal i don't have to pray for healing to come down i don't have to pray for anything about that now i thank him that it's done two thousand years ago he's given me all things that pertain to life and to godliness i have what he says i have and it's inside of me right now today so i thank him for it man you you could think about that all day long and be thinking and thinking and thinking and i go oh father i can't thank you enough I cannot thank you enough. What are you doing? All of a sudden, instead of just knowing about God, you're experiencing his love. You're experiencing his love. It puts you in a whole different realm of knowing God. So when I read the word of God, I, we all read with certain filters on. I don't care who you are. You have certain filters on when you read the Bible. And most of those filters were put there either how you were raised or what church denomination or home that you were in. We're all filtered. This is the filter you need to have on every time you read the Word of God. If you don't understand, if it doesn't look like, man, that doesn't look kind, God, that doesn't look like, then you know you got the wrong filter on or you don't understand. 
even if you have to set it aside, your filter, are you ready? The number one glasses you need to have on is that no matter what I read, I know that God loves me. And he wants the best for me. That's the way you read the Bible. He is a good father, the most awesome father, the greatest father. And if you think any otherwise, you got some real terrible vision. You got them fuzzy-wuzzy glasses or something. Being filled with the fullness of God. The power of God is limited by how much we know God loves us. As scripture says that we may... that. The love of God needs to go past just intellectual knowledge. And once you go past that, you'll walk into the fullness of God. And so that power will be manifested. So, but you've got to go all the way back. How is the power manifested? By how much he loves you. You show me how much of the fullness of God is being manifested in your life. And I can tell you how much you're understanding and having a revelation of how much God loves you. I don't know if it's just... We get the cart before the horse. We want to, I just got to show God more how much I love him. I just got to show, I just got to do, and I got to do this. And go, oh God, I just got to do this. You are going down a road that will take you to a wrong destination. I said, you're going down a road that will take you to a, a wrong destination. That's a road called religion of self-effort, and it will not get you to the love of God. It'll get you, I just got to try harder, and I got to be this, and I got to be that. And God says, you already are the righteousness of God. You're my child, and you need to know how much I love you. Now sit down here and let me teach you how much God loves you. Yeah. Woo! That has set you free, man. You show me somebody who's doing that, and I'll show you somebody who's going to walk in the grace and the love and the holiness of God greater than they ever have before. Now, back to the practical side of this. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. This is a passion translation. I love this. Those who are loved by God. Is that you? Am I talking to the right group? Okay, I am? Okay, those who are loved by God, let his love continually pour from you to one another. Because God is love. Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of him. How are you experiencing an intimate knowledge of him? By seeing and knowing the love of God. Verse 8. The one who doesn't love has yet to know God, for God is love. Okay. Now, this scripture, these scriptures are talking about, if we understand how much God loves us, love is going to pour out of us, and it's going to go into other people. You're going to show love towards people. Why is that important? There are people, nobody in here, but there are some people on this planet they're just irritated and irritated at everybody and everything. They're just like sandpaper. You get around them, and it's just like being around sandpaper. There's a guy at FedEx that I've worked with, and I don't care. When I got around him, it was just like he was a porcupine. and He poked me. He just was a poker. I could be having a great day, and I'd see him coming. I would almost run the other direction. <laughs> but lo and behold, sometimes I'd be in a break room, and he'd come in th- through the front door, and I'd go, 
Oh, there is no place to go. <laughs> if I understood what I know now, I would have never, ever had that kind of thinking. Listen to me. Are you ready? Everybody say, I'm listening. When people are just irritating you and getting underneath your skin, it's because you don't know how much God loves you. The love of God cannot be hurt or irritated. This is such a free today. This is worth, this is worth uh, the price of gas you got to get here. That was a horrible illustration. But anyway. <laughs> Listen to me. Because if you're honest, are there sometimes people get under your skin and yeah. just like. You know, Will Rogers said this. You know, the guy who would do the rope and everything. He says, you know, God says to love everybody. And he says, I do. But if he ever changes his mind, I've got my list. <laughs> Well, that's funny, but you know what? As a Christian, as somebody who loves or knows about the love of God, there is no list. Somebody who has a revelation of the love of God, he understands how much God loves him. And I can prove it because when Jesus was on the cross and they were ridiculing him and he was bare naked in front of all of them and they were making fun of him and staring at him and saying all these terrible things, the love of God flowed through Jesus and said, Father, forgive them. He wouldn't even let those guys. They were plucking his beard out and said, and he was blindfolded and says, tell us who's hitting you. Tell us who you, he knew. He didn't let them get to him. He, it wasn't he, but it was the love that was in him. So when you're getting, I mean, it couldn't just be people. It can be, I mean, if you're, I mean, I've had a lawnmower irritate me. You pull the snot out of that thing, you think, if there was a body of water upon, I would throw this thing in it. <laughs> well, what are you doing? You're letting something in life get the best of you. What's the problem? I just need to try harder. I just need to get my temper under control. I just need to love more. No. You can run around that bush all day long, and this time next month or next year or maybe in an hour from now, you'll be running around the same bush. What is the solution? Are you ready? Lord, I see that this lawnmower is irritating me. I see that my boss is irritating you. Irritating me. Never, your boss, your, your boss would never do that. But <laughs> I see this person is irritating me or this boss, this person, my brother, my spouse, my wife. God forbid. I mean... You, no matter what, if that is ever on your radar, there should be a blimp on your screen now that says Mike, or whatever you are, who your name is. Don't say Mike. Yeah, Mike's not loving God. That's why I got this problem. <laughs> whatever you're, when you do that, listen to me. You need to back up and say, God, I'm not understanding and I'm not experiencing your love. And so I just need to take a step back, take a deep breath and say, God, I know you love me. And so, therefore, this situation, this problem, this person cannot irritate me because I'm full of the love of God. Wow, that will, the devil will go, now, wait a minute. You're going overboard. You know why? 
Because the devil, if he, underst- he starts realizing that people can't irritate you and push your button, you know, that, per- that person knows my button and he pushes it every time. That's because you respond every time like that. The devil's going, let's see if this gets him nothing. Oh, let's see. Ah, the- oh, he responded. I got it. If anybody pushes every button you got and they get love, they get love coming out and get love at the devil will go, Mike's irritating me. How many of you like to irritate the devil? All you have to do is have an, listen to me, all you have to do is understand how much God loves you and you're going to be irritating the devil inside, outside, all the time around the ugliest people, around the meanest people, around the people that think, oh, you ought to be in prison. Nobody should be around you. You go to him and just say, can't touch this. Love is like Teflon. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love never fails, never gives up or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. You know what that means? It never comes to an end. That means you can't irritate it like six hours, but six hours in one minute, ah, oh, I'm done. I am done. No, love has no end. So your, your, your wife can burn the pancakes and, and drop the sausage on the floor and, and, and your coffee is messed up and you go let's go out to eat babe (laughs) love 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 listen to me it's not you trying harder oh I just gotta I gotta ooh mm, gotta bite uh. if I had a bullet I'd bite it oh I just got no because you you can't try hard enough to love people because people are people (laughs) and that'd be some nasties you know, people, it's such a shame people go, well, you know, in Pueblo, there's some mean people. Yeah, I guess you've never been to Dallas, huh? <laughs> or Chicago. Or God forbid, New York. I mean, they will run over you if you get out in the road. I mean, you know, yeah, but, you know, there are, there is some people nice in what city? Oh, yeah, it's called heaven. <laughs> That's where everybody's nice, but you ain't there yet. But thank God, he's made a way out. So that you can have victory in Pueblo, Colorado, in Dallas, Texas, in New York City, or any other place that's on this planet. He says, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And the way to have a more abundantly life is to understand and, and have a revelation knowledge of how much God loves you. And when you understand that and have a greater revelation of that, come hell or high water, nobody can affect you anymore. Amen. Woo. I got to know about this love. How about you? I said, I got to know more about this love. And God says, that's the whole plan, Mike. You have to know how much I love you. And when you know how much I love you, I'm telling you what, nobody can rub you the wrong way. Nobody can put, uh, the devil can put up something to try to stumble you, to try to make you fall. And the love of God will get you around it, over it, through it, or any other way. But God, you'll be smelling like a rose on the other side because of the love of God. Don't blame, well, I would be happier if I was married to somebody different. No, you wouldn't. I would be happier if I had a better boss. You heard that story about John Osteen? That's Joel Osteen's father. John Osteen had this this, uh, woman in his church. Pastor John, 
she was like in her 60s or something like that. And she said, I want you to pray for me. I'm getting married next week. This will be my eighth husband. And so I just need you to believe with me about getting a good one this time. Pastor John, you know, he just looked there and says, there's only one common denominator in all eight of those marriages. <clears throat> you didn't get that. I said, there's only one common denominator in all those eight marriages. It'd be her. And if she hasn't had a good marriage, it may be, mm. I'm just saying, you can have victory in every area of your life, your relationships especially, if you understand how much God loves you. And the person that's been underneath your skin, you know, and everybody's got one of them in their family. You know, cousin so-and-so. Or, you know, the, the black horse type guy, you know. Yeah, where everybody's got one, you know, it's him. You can walk right up to them and they will not affect you at one iota when you understand how much God loves you. This has set you free. Because the devil will put you in situations and circumstance to get you make a decision to move out or to do something based upon how somebody is mistreating you. And don't, don't take this to the ditch. I'm not advocating that if somebody, if a man's beating up on some woman, don't, don't be stupid on me, okay? I'm not saying, oh, just suck it up, honey. No, man, you better get out of there. I'm just making sure that some of these people don't go in a ditch on me. You understand? I'm talking, do you understand? Yes. Okay, I don't want anybody to get weird on me. Come in with a black eye and say, well, Pastor, I stayed with him just like you said. No, I did not. But this is the thing. You can have victory no matter what's going on in your life. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. If you understand how much God loves you, it will cause you to float to the top. And just like Jesus hanging on a cross, you will come out and say, you cannot harm me. You cannot even make me have a blue Monday. You can't make me have a bad day because I understand how much God loves me. Amen. Are you getting this? Amen. So, if you know that you're being irritated, now you know what the problem is. It's not that person. It's you understanding how much God loves you. And so just back off and say, God, I need a greater vision right now. Ephesians says that the eyes of understanding would be enlightened, that we may know. Know what? Know how much he loves us. Let's stand.